Good morning. We're going to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 5 this morning, starting with verse 3. 1 Timothy chapter 5, starting with verse 3. Honor widows who are widows indeed. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, they must first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents. For this is acceptable in the sight of God. Now she who is a widow indeed and who has, not been, and who has been left alone has fixed her hope on God and continues in entreaties and prayers night and day. But she who gives herself to wanton pleasure is dead even while she lives. Prescribe these things as well, so that they may be above reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. A widow is to be put on the list only if she is not less than 60 years old, having been the wife of one man, having a reputation for good works, and if she has brought up children, if she has shown hospitality to strangers, she has washed the saints' feet, if she has assisted those in distress... And if she has devoted herself to every good work, but refuse to put younger widows on the list, for when they feel sensual desires in disregard of Christ, they want to get married, thus incurring condemnation because they have set aside their previous pledge. At the same time, they also learn to be idle as they go around from house to house and not merely idle, but also gossips and busybodies talking about things not proper to mention. Therefore, I want younger women to get married, bear children Keep the house and give the enemy no occasion for reproach. For some have already turned aside to follow Satan. If any woman who is a believer has dependent widows, she must assist them, and the church must not be burdened, so that it may assist those who are widows indeed. The welfare burden in our society increases every year. We almost wonder where do we reach the breaking point? How much longer can we go with? the way things are, are going today. And we add to that the tremendous needs that we find in the third world countries and then the needs that arise because of catastrophes, the typhoons that strike, the earthquakes and so forth. And sometimes we wonder how in the world can we meet all of the needs that are out there? Well, the fact of the matter is we can't. We, we need to keep that in the back of our mind as, as we look at this passage Years ago, when Ronald Reagan was president of our nation, he called on the churches to step into the role of taking care of the welfare recipients. Uh, a, a good thought, a good idea, but is that what we're here for? Should we be involved in that? And to what extent? I have no problem with the church reaching out to those in need. The problem comes when the government tells you how to do it. It, it, uh, we, we, that's where we need to, to draw the line there. Some of you are involved with the uh, Christian MediShare programs and so forth. They, they work quite well, as long as we can keep the government out of them. It, 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 they will continue to work that, that way there. The church does have a responsibility to meet needs. As a matter of fact, in James chapter 2, in verse 15, it says, you know, if you see... Your, your brother in need and you do nothing about it. He says, what good is that? And First John 3.17 echoes the, the same thought there. Uh, and you have to excuse me if you think I'm not following that list. I'm just pushing it just a little bit this morning because uh, I, I'm, I've got to be in the hospital here. 
with, with Larry and, and Sean as soon as I can. So uh, you're going to have to pick up some of this on your own, some of the verses and, and so forth. But we have that responsibility. But what, what guidelines should we develop? What, what guidelines should we have? Do we simply meet the needs of everybody that comes our way? Or are there some biblical principles that we need to consider? Uh, this problem with the widow started back in Acts chapter 6. If, if you recall, the, the church was growing at a tremendous rate. They, they were having all things in common. And some of the widows found that their needs were not being met. And so that it caused a problem. That's why the deacons were first appointed in, in, the, in the first century church. They were to take care of that problem there. The problem is, and I, I think he's using widows here as an example for us. Yeah. We can extend that to, to other, other people in need as, as well and, and to the welfare system here. The, the reason he refers to the widows is in that particular day and culture, most of them were destitute. They had no property rights. If a, a man died, his wife did not inherit the property. It went either to uh, the, a son, if there was a son. If there wasn't a son, it went to the nearest male relative. And so often the, the, the widows were literally left out on the street with, with no income and no, no source of, of protection unless the son or, or the, there was a father involved that stepped in to take care of them. We, we see, even in the Old Testament, God's concern for the widows. Uh, this had been a pattern down through the, the Old Testament days. And yet, God was concerned for that. You see that very clearly in the book of, of Ruth. Take some time and read that. It's just a little four-chapter book there. But there we see how God had concern for and had a, a way to meet the needs of someone like Ruth, who was a widow in that particular society. And, and, and so God had a, a way to reach them. When we come to the New Testament in James chapter 1, in verse 27, he says, Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Notice he puts that burden of meeting the needs of those who are without resources clearly on our shoulders. He said, this is part of your pure re religion there today. So the question is not should we, but how should we? How should we meet needs that, that come across our, our path here? And I... I Develop four thoughts out of this particular passage here. It, um, the first one, very simply, is practice discrimination. Now, nothing today could probably be more politically incorrect than that statement. <laughs> uh, practice discrimination. I, I thought you're supposed to treat everybody the same. Uh, uh, I don't care what society says. I care what the Bible says. And I believe that's what he's teaching here. We need to discriminate. We, we need to find out where is the real need. This is, I think, one of the reasons why we are in so much trouble in our nation with the welfare system is because we haven't practiced discrimination. We've just accepted any and everybody that says they have a need, and, and we attempt to meet those needs, and it isn't long until we become overburdened. The reality is we cannot meet every need that is out there. We can't even begin to attempt to do that. We, we came to that conclusion here in Chihuahua as a ministerial group. We, we meet 
every once in a while, and we, we began to compare stories. Pastors like to compare stories. And we found out that there was a group of people in the area that were taking advantage of the churches. They would come to one church with a need, a bill that needed to be paid. Uh, that church may meet the need. They would go to the next church with the same need, and, and it was being repeated over and over again. And so we formed a, what we call a faith-based group, and we work through the uh, rural resources at this point in time. They have to contact rural resources first, and, and then we consider what needs we can meet. It's been amazing to see how many needs were not real needs. We get very few calls anymore of people. When, when they find out they have to work through that system and that the churches are communicating with each other, suddenly there's been a lot less need in, in Chihuahua. Uh, tells us that somebody was taking advantage of, of the system out there. And uh, there's a, quite a network amongst those type of people that, that they know when you're weak and, and where your weak points are, and, and, and they take advantage of that. And so we need to practice discrimination. Notice the distinction here. He says, widows who are widows indeed. Now, we'll look at that when we get into verses 5 and 6. But notice he bases that on their age, on their ability, and on their family resources there. We, we need to be careful when we seek to meet needs. In Second Corinthians, or Second Thessalonians 3.10, the Apostle Paul said, You know, if a man is not willing to work, neither should he eat. That, that, that's a very strong statement, but I think it's true. If they're not willing to work, they, they shouldn't eat. Adrian Rogers, in writing about that, Several years ago, Adrian Rogers is now home with the Lord in glory, but he made this statement. He said, friend, you cannot legislate the poor into freedom by legislating the wealthy out of freedom. And what one person receives without working for, another person must work for without receiving. The government can't give to anybody anything that the government does not first take from somebody. Never stop and think about that. Where is that money coming from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and when half of the people get the idea they don't have to work because the other half's going to take care of them, and when the other half gets the idea it does no good to work because somebody's going to get what I work for, that, dear friend, is about the end of any nation. That's what we're facing today. That, that's where we're at. I think he has uh, some valid points in, in that. Uh, that is the problem that we face. Are people taking advantage of the system? And how do we even know that? You know, you drive down the street and somebody's on the street corner. Is that a genuine need? How do you check up on that? Well, that was supposed to be one of the roles of the church. We, we've taken it away from the church, and so we pay the, the consequences. There, there are a lot of needs that are not genuine needs. I remember when we lived in, in South Dakota. One day I was looking out my office window and in drives a, a station wagon. They have a, a mattress or two on the top and, and there's a man and a woman in there and two or three little kids. And as normally happens, the woman gets out and comes into the church. Very seldom do you have the man come, come into the church on a, a deal like that. And she said, well, you know, we need some money for gas and we need some money for food. And I asked her where they were going. Well, they were going from Portland, Oregon to Minneapolis, Minnesota. And uh, as a matter of fact, she shared with me, this is the third trip that we've made in the last couple of months between the two cities. 
I said, how do you afford that? I said, I can't afford to travel like that. She said, oh, we, we just go from church to church. <laughs> she said, the church is there to meet our needs. <laughs> and uh, uh, that didn't quite sit very well with me. So I said to her, well, I noticed, and I assumed it was her husband. I, d- I don't know that for sure. She didn't say one way or another. I said, uh, is your husband willing to dig up a garden or wash some windows, to do some work first? And she said, oh, no. She said, we, we, we don't have to work. She said, the churches have to take care of us. At that point in time, I said, you came to the wrong church. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it, and I, I, I took her to that passage in, in Thessalonians there. She didn't like it, but uh, that, there was another church down the street that she could find. We need to practice, I think, discrimination. We have a lot of genuine needs in our community that need to be met. And we need to be available to help meet those needs. But uh, there is that element of discrimination that, that needs to be used. The, the second principle that he gives to us here is we need to practice piety at home. The family, Paul says, is the first line of recourse for the widows. And I would extend that to, to the needy uh, as well. Here he encourages the children and the grandchildren to look out for the widows, to look out for those that were destitute in their society. Someone has said, revenge is living long enough to be a burden to your children. (laughs) And sometimes that does become reality. As people age and their health deteriorates and so forth, sometimes you've all been there. You have to step in and you have to take care of mom and dad a little bit. You have to give them rides. You have to meet their medical needs and so forth. That, that's just part of life, part, part of living there. And, and Paul is saying, don't push that burden on somebody else. If it's your family, meet those needs. Be there for your, your family. Because just stop and think for a minute of what that individual invested in you. Think of where you are today because mom and dad were there for you. And, and we need to be willing to reach out and, and return a measure of that as well. That may involve financial resources. It may involve our time. It, it may simply involve emotional support for those that are struggling health-wise and so forth. Uh, uh, when we lived in cul-de-sac the last what three years, I think we were there, we, we had the privilege of having Ginger's mother come and live in the, in the community. She had been living with close to her uh, younger daughter up in Trigo, Montana, out in the middle of nowhere. And her daughter moved away, so we said, you know, you can't be alone up there. She thought she could, but uh, we, we said, no, you, you, you just can't do that alone. So we moved her down to, to cul-de-sac. She didn't actually live with us. She lived about two or three blocks away from us. Uh, she had a lot of needs. If she needed to go to the doctor, guess what? Somebody had it. She, didn't, she had never driven. Somebody had to take her. We had to get pick up her groceries for her and so forth. It, there was a, a, a amount of time that had to be inve- invested, but it was a tremendous blessing. We, we, we were blessed in the process, and, and, and it was a joy to, to be there and, and to, to be able to return that investment into her life. Uh, today, the temptation is when mom and dad reach that point, let's shove them into the, the long-term care or, or leave them in there and just walk away and forget about them. No, Paul says you can't do that. You shouldn't do that. Why? Because you're a family. And they have invested tremendously in your life. Now it's time to give a return. Now I realize there are times when the long-term care is necessary. 
and, and, and I don't want to minimize that. When, when the health needs are too great that you can't do it and so forth, then yes, use those, those means. But I trust if, if you have to go that route that you don't forget that mom or dad is in there, that, that you take the time to visit on a regular basis, that, that, that you share in their life and that, that you minister to them in, in ways that the, the long-term care unit cannot. We, we are to practice piety. We, it begins at home there. I like the amusing story of the Chinese man who had an elderly father that could no longer work and so he put him in a wheelbarrow, and he was going to take him, as, as was the custom, out into the wilderness and leave him out there to die. And, and he was, took his little 10-year-old boy with him. He was he, going along for company. And the little boy looked at his dad, and he says, I'm glad you're taking me, because now when you get old, I know where to take you. <laughs> uh, that man turned the wheelbarrow around and went home. Uh, we, we, we need to realize... You know, sometimes it seems like a burden, but sooner or later, we're all going to be there if the Lord tarries. So, so uh, as, as we give, the Lord will bless and, and, and return that somehow in our own lives. The third thing that he gives to us here, the principle, is that we are to provide necessary resources. Notice he says in verse 3, honor widows. When we read that word, we usually think we are to respect them. Give them a, a measure of respect. The word that he uses here implies much more than that. It involves a financial commitment as well. We, we use that word today for when uh, I take off, and you all praise the Lord because Pastor Dan's not here. Uh, uh, we pay whoever comes an honorarium. That, that comes from this word, honor or honorarium. It, it means we value their time enough and their service enough that we pay a, a, a commitment to them because they have blessed us through their service there. And that's the idea that this word carries here is there is to be a financial consideration in, involved here. It indicates here that those who are to be helped, those who are to given those resources are those who, in verse 5, are totally dependent upon God. They don't have a family to take care of them. They, they don't have any other resources. Uh, and so he, he lists a rather lengthy list of qualifications, uh, 60 years of age. That limits it because a lot of women aren't willing to admit they're 60 years of age. Uh, and so uh, maybe that should be 65 today, uh, having been the wife of one man and so forth here. It, it basically boils down to, he said, I want you to minister to those that desperately need the help. Those that have no other resources, nothing available to them. Uh, and, and he ties into that the fact that they have had a good reputation. They have had a servant's heart. They have ministered over the years to others. And now the time has come for them to receive ministry back from the church. He's not excluding the younger women here. He is suggesting that the younger women can remarry and have a productive life and be able to work there rather than be a burden to, to the church there. Uh, he's not suggesting when he says this that it's wrong to remarry. Matter of fact, he puts his blessing on it when you come down to, to verse 14 there. So 
what he is saying in that is the younger women are to use the resources that God has made available to them uh, through remarriage or whatever it may be, whereas the older women may not have that, that opportunity here. It's not wrong for them to, to remarry. He implies that at first there, uh, that, that they will leave their first pledge. What, what he's suggesting in that, if, if you look at it in the, in the Greek, is that they have made a pledge to remain single. That they, they have committed themselves to, to the Lord's service. They're not going to remarry. And then they, the desire comes and they remarry. It, it's the same thing as taking a, a vow or an oath. You know, he said it's, it's better not to take a vow than to take a vow and not pay it. And so what, what he's suggesting here, if these younger women come and say, well, I'm going to serve the Lord the rest of my life in, in, through the church or whatever, if they don't follow through on that, then they've, they've violated the, the very word that, that, that they've given to, to the Lord there. He said it's better for them to remarry and work through that marriage rather than to make a vow and not keep it here. And then notice, and this is a, a tough one here, not only do we provide necessary resources, but we also provide opportunities to serve. Notice his whole emphasis here has been on those who have raised their families, they've washed the feet of the saints, they've assisted in, in distress, they've devoted themselves to every good work. And the implication is they are to continue to serve in the capacity in which they can serve. It's not that they get a free lunch here. Uh, someone was speaking about this earlier. Uh, somebody in, in the long-term care unit felt useless. No, they're not useless. They have a tremendous opportunity to be a blessing to somebody in that long-term care unit. They, they have a, a tremendous opportunity to invest time and effort in prayer and, and so forth. Uh, God gives us with different gifts, and I think they change as, as time goes on. And as long as he leaves us here, and as long as he leaves us with a sound mind, and we can debate what that is, uh, I, I know some of you think sometimes the pastor's a little bit crazy in what he's saying, but as long as he's given us a sound mind, we have an op opportunity and a responsibility to invest in the kingdom of God. We, we may not be able to do the same things that we did when we were young, but we can still do something to the glory of Jesus Christ. And that's what he's encouraging here, that those who received the support of the church was to invest as much as they could back into the support of the church. I like God's system. Uh, it gives us both the opportunity to receive and the opportunity, having received, to be a blessing to somebody else. I think that's important. It, it preserves the, the, the dignity of the individual. I, I think of Ruth in the Old Testament. She had that. I, I don't know about you, but I don't think that's the best job in the world, going out and gleaning, uh, following the, the harvesters, what little bit lies on the ground you pick up, and that, that's your food for the day. Uh, if they, they miss a sheep here or there, you, you were free to take that. But uh, you know what? I think she felt good at the end of the day. She had met the needs of her family, of her mother-in-law and herself. And in doing that little bit of service, it meant so much to her. This, I think, is where so much of the breakdown comes in our welfare system today. We give and we give and we expect nothing in return. 
And pretty soon you have a society that moves into the realm of entitlement. I'm entitled to this. I don't have to work because the world's going to give me a, a, a good living here. Uh, we, we need to be careful that we encourage people not to lose that sense of dignity and self-worth. We need to encourage them. Maybe all they can do, no, that's not the right word. Maybe what they can do is pray. But then give them prayer requests and, and encourage them to be prayer warriors before the throne of God. Maybe they can share a cup of coffee with somebody. Encourage them to do that. Encourage them to use the gifts that they have to the glory of Jesus Christ. I, I think one of the things that, one of the greatest losses that we had when Ginger's mother passed away was she prayed over and over and over again for us and for our ministry and for our church. Uh, th- th- there was a, a lack there when, when, when she passed away. Uh, tremendous ministry, even though she wasn't able hardly to get out of the house. Uh, she was going blind. She wasn't able to see very well. Uh, different things going on. And yet she did what she could to contribute to the work of Jesus Christ. And, and that's what Paul is encouraging here. Give them opportunities to serve. I realize that often the easiest thing for us to do today when somebody is in need is to take out our wallet or take out our checkbook, write out a check, and think that's we've done our part. We, we've helped, and we can go our way feeling good, but we don't always leave the person feeling good. They need an opportunity sometimes to serve, to be a blessing to, to somebody else. I, I think of times when we've been in need. We were without work for almost a year when our last year in Grangeville there and did all kinds of odd jobs just to, to keep food on the table. But, but I remember receiving a call one day from the, the Nazarene church there in Grangeville, and I knew the pastor quite well. We had prayed together and had Bible study together and so forth. And he said, you know, we, we need to put a new roof on the parsonage. He said, would you like to come and help? Because you're not employed right now. He said nothing about paying for it or anything. He he just said, we have a couple men that are skilled at it, but they just need an extra hand. Would you come and help? And I went and helped um, because I knew the men involved, and and, uh, it it was a good time together. At the end of the session, they gave me a check for my time. I, I hadn't expected that, but... It was a blessing to be a blessing and then to be blessed in the process there. Uh, Out of that came more work because one of the men, his father-in-law, needed a roof and he was going to do the job for him. And he said, hey, my father-in-law said he would pay you uh, to do this. So it it got us through another another month there. Uh, We we can give a hand out or we can give a hand up. We we can encourage someone by a, a gift but what is the real need that is there? And so as you think about this passage, first of all, have several challenges that come out of this. Do you have a family member that's struggling, that really needs some help? Are you willing to reach out and touch that life? Are, are you willing to be the instrument that God uses to, to meet that individual that's struggling? Now, as I say that, I say that carefully. Because I think in those kind of situations, we have to ask what is the real need? Is it simply a dollar from our wallet, or do they need to be taught how to manage their resources? Do, do they need some uh, financial guidance there? How can we best be a help 
to our, our family members. Sometimes it's, it's not just the dollar figure. Sometimes we have to get involved in their lives and, and teach them a, a better way there. If you're in need today, are you willing to make that need known? That's hard for some of us to do, isn't it? Uh, pride gets in the way. But if there's a genuine need, if we don't make it known, and we don't allow the church the privilege of helping, then we've robbed the church of the blessing that comes by being a blessing to somebody else. So are, are, are we willing to not only be a blessing, but to allow someone else to be a blessing as well? Jesus, in Luke chapter 6, said, Give, and it shall be given unto you. The implication there is there are times when we are tremendously blessed and we have the opportunity to share with somebody that isn't blessed. But he also implies that there may be a, come a time in our life when we are not so blessed and we need to receive a blessing from somebody else. We need to allow somebody else the privilege of being a blessing. Are, are, are we willing to do that as well? It's a tough passage to wrestle with. Not... We, we sometimes get the impression it's, it's not very Christian to refuse somebody. And yet, didn't Jesus do that? I, I think of the time when, when he went to the pool of Siloam there. Uh, there was a whole group of people waiting. Was it Siloam or Bethsaida? Where, where the angel came and stirred the waters. Siloam. Yeah, okay, I, I thought I had that right. Uh, when the angel came and stirred the water, the first person that got to the water was supposedly healed. That, that's what tradition said anyhow. I, I don't know if that was actually true or not. But Jesus came, he walked into that situation, and he went to one man. You remember what he asked him? Do you want to be well? Do you, do you really want to be well? That, that, that's a rather strange question, but think of it. This man was close to 39 years of age, had been in that condition from birth, do you really want to be made well? Because that implies suddenly you're going to have to work. You're going, your whole life is going to be transformed here. Is this really what you want? And you know what strikes me about that passage is this man said, yes, I want to be well. And Jesus healed him, sent him on his way. But what about all of the other people that were laying there in need? No indication that Jesus reached out to them at that time. Well, I'm not going to give you the reason why, because I don't know why. Uh, uh, he reached out to this one man. And as we look at our community and we look at the world around us, the fact remains we cannot meet every need that is out there. But we can meet one. We, we can be the instrument that God uses to touch someone's life in a practical way. Are we willing to reach out following the guidelines of God's Word and touch somebody's life to be a blessing to them. Are we willing to pray, Lord, make me a blessing this week to somebody else? Uh, and you know what? I've got a feeling if you really honestly pray that prayer and you really mean it, that God's going to bring an opportunity across your path this week to be a blessing to somebody else. Are, are you willing to do that? Are you, are you willing to invest in the lives of others? And, and I'm going to go to meddling for just a little bit here this morning. We have the opportunity today to be a blessing to a group of individuals in the long-term care unit. They have no church. 
apart from what we bring to them. They, they have no opportunity to get out. They are, in a sense, what Paul would say, widows indeed, or widows indeed as well there. Are we willing to take a half hour, 45 minutes of our time this afternoon? And, and it concerns me that some of our regulars are gone. They're not going to be there. And uh, uh, I guess the only good thing is Pastor Dan's probably not going to be there either. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I get a little bit concerned when there's only a couple people there because I have to sing along with them. And, and that, that's not a blessing to the people there. <laughs> but, but there's a need. Are we willing to meet that need? Are we willing to be there to touch their lives? Because they have needs as well spiritually. Are, are we willing to say, Lord, make me a blessing today to somebody? Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you that we have been tremendously blessed of you. You've blessed us in so many ways. Spiritually, you've blessed us physically, monetarily, Lord And yet we are mindful of the fact that you said on one occasion, to whom much is given, much is required. There are a lot of hurting people in our community. Some of it is financial. Some of it is emotional. Some of it spiritual. Lord, I guess our prayer today would be, somehow this week, bring across our path someone in need. Whether it's a physical need or a spiritual need, we leave that in your hands. And then, Lord, make us a blessing to that individual, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing in closing, Victory in Jesus.